Good morning. I'm going to dig right into it. I have limited time, and I want to make sure I give you everything I have here. So we're going to start with, I'm just opening up the scripture this morning, starting with John 17, verses 13 through 18. I have the message version that will be popping up on the screen. I just found it easier to understand um, than what was coming from the NIRV or the um, King James version. So if you'd like to follow along on the screen or in your Bible, if you're following along in your Bible, it may seem a little different. So... Now I'm returning to you. I'm saying these things in the world's hearing so my people can experience my joy completed in them. I gave them your word. The godless world hated them because of it. They didn't join the world's ways. Just as I didn't join the world's ways, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. There are... No more, they are no more defined by the world than I am defined by the world. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is consecrating truth. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. This is the word of God. So here we are, the final Sunday of us gathering together in this building as Gospel Community Church. And it's bittersweet. As I have been reflecting on my two and a half years of ministry here, it amuses me to think back to meeting with children in an entryway next to the bathrooms on a cold tile floor. (laughs) But that didn't stop my mission, nor did it stop the children from coming. This Bible passage today is a prayer about Jesus' mission. He is addressing this prayer to his father, placed in context immediately before his betrayal and crucifixion. Jesus is asking God the Father to glorify him so he can glorify the Father. And then Jesus prays for the faith and the courage to his closest. But it's the beginning of his disciples' mission on earth. Although the doors here may be closing, the mission and the work of gospel community and its body of believers does not end nor should it. We are called to be salt and light. We are to do the work that God has sent us to do. This isn't the time for us to sit at home and believe that God is going to do his work on his own in the world. No. The Father sent the Son, and the Son sends those who have been saved by him, and that's us. We're called to continue the mission. I want to leave you with this image. Picture a dandelion. Yeah, sure, I know it's a pesky weed, but I want you not to picture the dandelion as a yellow burst of sunshine, but as the white, fluffy seedling attached to the bud. That is us, Gospel Community Church. And as a gentle wind blows, it's time for us to separate, but that doesn't stop our mission. Because as we separate and scatter, we plant new seeds, and the gospel mission and message continues to grow and to be spread to new and different areas. The great things that happened through Gospel Community Church was not because of this building. It was accomplished by its people, us. 
My prayer is that the mission continues by all of us, and it is God-led, God-inspired, and God-willed. We are his, and our mission is his. Let's pray. Father God, give us wisdom and courage to see your will for us. Please use us in our relationships to bring the gospel message to every part of the world that we encounter. Continue your great commission work through us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm not up here very often, and so this is a different position for me to be in. Um, but it's going to be great. So my, my uh, passage for today is going to be from John 17, the next verses 20 through 23. Um, my, prayer for, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, and that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I are one. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And I don't know about you, but the way that is worded is kind of confusing to me. So um, what does that all mean? So first off, Jesus is praying not only for current disciples, but all of those to come. And that includes us. We are disciples. And he prays for unity um, in, in him and in other believers, and specifically in other believers, which I think is an important thing to take note of. There's something about a connection between believers that is special and highlighted here. So this unity is something that actually shows others to Jesus. Um, something in this unity is inherently showcasing this. Um, so story time. Um, it's kind of connected to the testimony I shared when I was up here last. Back in March or April, um, I was kind of struggling to find a place to live. And I was connected with this group, Worship in the Woods, who really took interest in this. Um, they all really cared about me having a place to live. And one in particular, who is the person I am now living with, he didn't really know me at all. Um, we hadn't talked much. And I mentioned this to him later on. And he kind of didn't realize that this was such a spontaneous thing from him. He thought we knew each other for a long time. And, and um, because of his faith, because of that sort of unity from worship in the woods, taking interest in this, um, I, I had a place. Uh, I, I didn't only have a place, but I was able to do so many 
great things and make so much progress in my own life. It, it really helped. So that unity is what we're called to do. The beauty in this is that that unity is found in other believers. This is a group of believers, but this is not the only group of believers. We are part of a family, a family of believers that can be found anywhere believers are. So as a word of encouragement, let's go out and be a part of this family with other believers. So let's pray. God, thank you for this unity. Thank you for what we find in other believers and that this, this all showcases you, that there would be no doubt in anyone's mind that this is unity in you as well as each other. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Uh, so, most of you probably know me. I'm going to start the same way I remember what you started, though. I'm Kyle. <laughs> I'm one of the pastors here. And this will be one of the hardest five minutes of my life. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So about four and a half years ago, maybe five now, I was asked, will you come help plant this church? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and we gathered week after week with eight of us at the high board's house prayed for each and every one of you every week for every person that's walked in that door whether it's here in West Ottawa outside at the MRC Gazelle Guy when we were online we prayed for everybody we prayed that God would provide people a place. We provided you a nice, safe home for all of you. And he did. He provided so well. So well. He, was, he did exactly what he promised. And similar to our time here on earth, he doesn't promise everything forever. So you got to live in the days that he's given us and celebrate each and every one of those. So let's just go right into scripture. And it's a whole bunch of views and stuff. And I was sitting in my seat a little bit ago. And I knew what I was, the scripture I had was John 17, 6 through 11. But I all of a sudden see Will and Becky do like, higher verses, I'm like, oh no, I didn't get this right, like I completely missed where I was supposed to be, because we're actually going backwards a little bit, 
I'm doing John 17, 6 through 11. I know it doesn't make sense orderly, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> so that's what we're going to read. And this is Jesus praying for his disciples, just like we've done in all of them. He says, I have revealed to you, oh man, to those whom you gave me out of this world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you had given comes, given me, comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you. And they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not only praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and the glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave to me, so that they may come be one as we are one. I'm going to stick to my script right here. Because Jesus prayed for his followers, which is you and me. It's all of us. It's the disciples. It's all of us. <clears throat> we can have the confidence that his promises are true. We could live our lives in the light of answered prayer and fulfilled promises. The only danger here is that we make these verses in this place a history lesson. <laughs> A history lesson.
I'm Drew. I get to share with you today. Um, this is a, an unusual service. We're we're wrapping things up today, and that comes with all sorts of feelings, emotions. We just heard the prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples, and it's sort of this manifesto for God the Father to be with the disciples through what's coming next, as well as beyond what's coming next. These disciples were regular people. Some were fishermen. Some were wanting to use guerrilla warfare tactics to execute Roman officials to start an uprising. Others were sold out to Rome and were gouging their own people with high taxes. Jesus grabs people from all over the place, pops them into this group, knows them by name, sees them and he knew them, just like he does with each and every one of us. He sees us and he knows us, and we are his disciples, in some ways no different than those original 12. This ragtag group followed Rabbi Jesus through the dusty lands of Israel for just a few small years. In fact, um, not long, less than three years. Learning from him, watching him teach and heal and speak in parables as well as cause some holy trouble and begin to shake things up. The disciples were very curious about what Jesus was doing because he was an unusual rabbi or teacher. And when you think about it, Jesus' ministry on earth was actually really short, like really, really short. Something like three years total, that's shorter than the average time someone attends college in America. That's shorter than Jimi Hendrix's entire musical career. And that's shorter than gospel's presence on the north side. The disciples were hanging on, expecting Jesus to make some decisive moves to begin restoring Israel and getting rid of ousting Rome. The thought was that this promised Messiah would rise up and start a big, huge revolution. They were waiting for it. Someday, Rome would be gone and Israel would be its own nation again, not occupied. The text tells us that there is a point when Jesus set his face to Jerusalem. It's kind of this idea of like, hey, we're going there soon, right? So as you can imagine, Jesus starts thinking it's time to go to Jerusalem, which is the, the capital city the city of David. More Roman presence there probably than Jewish at this time. And so the disciples, you can just imagine their hearts and their minds are just like, what's going what's to happen? Is this it? Is this the moment? What's going on? You can imagine just their imaginations running wild. This is what we've been building up to. Jesus had been going town to town, sowing seeds of this impending revolution, building a following, challenging the authorities and gaining momentum, and it was looking really, really good. Really, really good. So Jesus and his crew, they head up to Jerusalem for this annual huge feast called Passover. The city is packed and it's full of life and hope and charged with the memory of the one time that God grabbed all of the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt and made them their own nation. This huge rescue plan that we see in the book of Exodus, where he gets them out of Egypt, carries them through the Red Sea, and out into the wilderness, where they can start being their own people. He heard their cries, and he rescued them, and in a mass exodus, they can leave Egypt, and God makes them their own nation. And a similar situation happened when Babylon conquered them. God had a plan, but the people were freaking out. Their entire city was was captured, their nation was captured, and they were all carted off to this foreign land 700 miles away. They needed to wait on God and trust him, not giving up hope. 
but all seemed lost. And here we were in another situation, right? Rome was crushing the life out of Israel, and the situation felt hopeless. You can imagine the disciples feeling like, hey, third time's a charm, right? This could really be it. We could really be freed from the oppressors, be our own people. And then Jesus starts saying wonky things like, hey, I'm leaving soon. What? But don't worry, it's a good thing. What? I'm leaving soon, and it's going to be a good thing. And the disciples, you can imagine them murmuring, What's he, what does that mean? What is he talking about? Their underlying thought was that this is go time. Don't veer off the plan now. It's right there. We just need to go after it. It's so close. We can taste it. It's just around the corner. We just need to make a run at it. John 16, 20 says this. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. This is on the cusp of them going up to Jerusalem for this Passover feast. They thought the Messiah would be this militant revolutionizer who would do something to get rid of Rome at this time. We will weep and mourn and grieve. What is Jesus saying? You can almost feel the hearts of the disciples just sinking. Here's the thing. It's not actually a change of plans. This is what he had in mind the whole time. Jesus is arrested and put on trial, mocked and beaten, and then nailed to a wooden cross, dying probably the worst death that anyone could die. And the disciples are just in disbelief. And they are scared and they scatter, just like Jesus said they would. You can imagine the disciples thinking, what just happened? What just happened? This wasn't how we thought it should be. We followed this guy for three years. Everything was trending in the right direction. What do we do now? Some of you are like, wow, Drew, very encouraging. Jesus was crucified on a Friday. And if you're familiar with the story, Sunday is a day full of surprise. We sing about it every Sunday, that Jesus rose from the grave, conquered death, and we have new life in him. But in between, there's this day, Saturday. Terrible, awful, scary Saturday, where everything that they had been thinking was going to happen didn't the way they had planned. And they had to sit with that feeling. Our leader is dead. We thought this was going to be it. We don't know what to do. Do we go back to our old life? How do we even do that now? All the seeds that were planted in us are what chopped off. What do we do? Saturday must have just been the worst day. It just felt like all hope was lost. And it was all over, done. Like the devil himself showed up and just punched everyone in the gut, leaving them a mess on the floor. Today is our last day worshiping together as Gospel Community Church in this location. And today feels a little bit like that Saturday. Today feels like a little bit of darkness just took some ground here on the north side. How could God be cool with this? Here's our hope. The story isn't over. John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. 
but take heart, I've overcome the world. This is one I just hang on to all the time. Life isn't always going to go as planned. Stuff isn't always going to be easy for the believer. In fact, I think following Jesus makes things extra hard, like super extra hard, but it's good. It's good to follow Jesus, but it doesn't make things easy. Those words probably didn't make any sense on Saturday. The confusion, the anger, and the grief were real. And Jesus left us with some really confusing words. How could grief turn to joy in this mess? And I realize this is the Easter story, and like we're not celebrating this Easter right today, but Easter is the story of every believer for every day. We're people of the resurrection. Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He's alive. He's alive and well. Sunday came, full of surprises, astonishment, and renewed vigor. God keeps his promises. He said he's coming soon. We don't know when. We don't know exactly how. Because if you ever read the book of Revelation, you probably have more questions than answers. But every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus will defeat death. And Jesus will defeat sin. And Jesus will defeat Satan once and for all. And all things will be totally restored. That's the end of the story. And we're in a part of the story that doesn't make a lot of sense. But it's not a surprise to God. He's going to work through this. And we don't always get to know how or why. But this doesn't catch him off guard. He's not freaking out in heaven going, oh, what do I do now? He's going, I can work with this. God says that a lot. I can work with this. The story will make sense someday. The Saturdays we experience in this life will start to click when all things are restored. And we'll be able to see what he's been doing through this most incredible long play rescue plan written over the course of human history, written in the lives of us over the last several years. So hang on. Don't give up hope now. Saturday is awful. We can just acknowledge that. But a Sunday is promised. Let me pray. Lord, we love you. And you know each and every one of us where we're at, what we're wrestling with in this process. We trust that your ways are higher than ours. We trust that you're good. We trust that you haven't forsaken us now. Your kingdom will come. You are the God who keeps your promises. Let us be people of faith who trust in you. We are your church. Let us not give up hope now. We love you, God. We pray all this in your name. Amen. As I was preparing my sermon portion this week, I had a lot of words come to me. And it's funny how the Holy Spirit works in times when you need it most. Don't stop. (laughs) So this came to me and I wrote it down. This is how I want to end. I don't know what the future holds for each of us, but I trust the next chapter because I know the author. I send that with you today. And this isn't goodbye. It's until we see each other again. So 
Um, as sort of a, a parting piece, I have found a lot of, and I think I speak for all of us, there's been a lot of unity with this staff. Um, and, and that goes beyond just us four standing up here, but it, it goes out to all those who volunteered and um, especially to my tech team for being really dope. <laughs> um, and with this congregation. And I'm going to miss that a lot. Um, and I don't know where I'm going to find something as great as this, but I know that there is a unity among believers that is tangible and it's with Jesus. So for you as well, go and find this unity with other believers. Um, yeah, well, not exactly what I had planned. Everybody's got something different. Um, I just want to thank everybody. Y'all made it happen. And I just wrote like an old school benediction because I thought that's what we were doing. So <laughs> and everybody else got all his personal stuff. I like, I already did that. I'm not crying through this. And then Drew looks at me again. Um, <laughs> but what I do have is... May the God of peace be with each and every one of you and continue to bless you as you go out into this world. God is good. Don't forget that. Find a place that fits you. It's been super awesome to worship with you all. Continue to worship God wherever you go. Be leaders of worship in whatever circle you find yourself in. The gospel means good news. That's what the word means. The good news is a person and his name is Jesus. That's who we come to worship on Sunday mornings. It's who we worship throughout the week. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's the one who gives us a brand new life. And we get to walk in his ways. It's tough, but it's good. Don't give up hope now. Continue what was started here. We love you, and so does God. Go in peace.